everybody. My name is Gabe. Uh, and this is Tyler. And this is another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And uh, as you can tell, that was not Matt's voice because Matt, once again, is lame and is out on the road somewhere in the Far East United States currently doing some shenanigans with work or something or another. Hmm. So, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to us? Uh, yeah. So, once again, my name is Tyler. Um, I am a longtime friend of Gabe's. I uh, grew up listening to all kinds of music. Christian country for my mom, hard rock for my dad. Uh, found everything in between. Uh, grew up not able to play an instrument, except maybe the clarinet. Uh, and then went to a trade school for audio production to record people who could play. Because um, I, if I can't play it, I might as well make it sound good. Yeah. Yeah, I would say you did well. Yeah. Did all right. Yeah. But uh, today we're going to be breaking down a little bit of something I'm, uh, I've been excited for. Uh, we're going to be talking about the new Trivium album, In the Court of the Dragon, today. Uh, this album released on October 8th on Roadrunner Records, and Trivium is going to be Matt Hafey on, on guitar and lead vocals, uh, Paolo Grigolotto on bass and backing vocals, Corey Bolio on guitar, lead guitars and uh, backing vocals, and then Alex Bent on drums. Uh, Tyler, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Uh, what were your first impressions on this album? How'd you feel about it? Um, first impressions, I, hmm, I enjoyed it. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I listened to it full way through on a drive out to my D&D group. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was nice to hear, like, an intro track, because I haven't heard one of those in a few years, just something to lead you into it. And it seemed like they kept with a theme. Every track had a different vibe and sound to it, so it, like, kept you engaged with, like, each each sound. Absolutely. I'm kind of in the same boat as well. It was... After the sin in the sentence, I th- thought, how can they get better? And then they did what the dead men say. And I thought, how can they get better? <laughs> and then they dropped this masterpiece. And I'm like, okay, how do they get better from here? And and it, it's kind of to the point where like this is no longer Trivium doing their best. It's becoming Trivium's new standard. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I was really a big fan of it the whole way through. I... I mean, I, just kind of spoiling the podcast right now. Like, I, I love this album. It's going to be a really high rating for me. <laughs> makes which, sense. which is really no, no surprise, given my consistent praise for them and how I've talked about the the uh, the singles that were released prior to the record being released. Uh, musically, uh, how are you feeling on this one? Um, musically, I was, I think I'll use the word intrigued, um, because, ev- like I said, every track had a different style to it. Like the, um, the first actual track, uh, title track in the court of the dragon, I was like, is this like black tide meets Dio? <laughs> like that was what I was equating it to. And like some of them had like a, um, slight system of a down undertone. And I was like trying to make comparisons the whole way through, but everything was like just different to keep you engaged. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. The, musicianship just never really ceases to amaze me from these guys like they always do trivium but they always do it slightly different and yeah. like there, there's constantly the uh the arguments that like they've had identity crises over over the years with things like the crusade and then when they uh had released vengeance falls and silence in the snow after mm-hmm. in waves and then going into sound the sentence like all four of those albums were just drastically different yeah but i feel like at this point they're really hitting their groove um being the album number three with alex bent i feel like they're all just really in their stride in what trivium wants to be 
and I feel like we can easily expect more of this from, from them in the future unless they go on to drummer number seven. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I thought musically, like every like you said, every song had a kind of its own unique spin to it, mm-hmm. but still stayed completely trivium. And right. I don't really know that I could ask for much more from them. Like it still showed evolution. Uh, which is a really big thing for us here on the podcast is we really like seeing the evolution of a band, but at the same time, they still stayed really true to their roots. And this one really felt like a love child between What the Dead Men Say and Shogun, which are arguably their two best albums to date, with this one kind of biting at those heels for sure. Yeah. And just musically, because I did space out on the... I think my second listen through, mm-hmm. like trying to not pay attention to the vocals as much and like focus on instruments and like just the track, I think it was fall into your hands mm-hmm. made me giddy. Oh, it made yeah. me like a little child. I was like, how are they doing this? This sounds so cool. Like everything's <laughs> a fill and everything's a solo. And like the, the vocals were there almost as an instrument instead of mm-hmm. like telling a story like some of the others did. Absolutely. Uh, and then what about, uh, what were your feelings just like lyrically on the album? Kind of just as you were listening to it, how'd you feel about them? Um, I'll be completely honest. I couldn't tell what he was saying most of the time (laughs) and I didn't have a chance to read through anything. Um, but based on what I did hear, it felt like they were trying to, um, in some store, in some songs they were telling a story. Um, but in others it almost felt like a, um, like some kind of comparison, mm-hmm. like specifically like a sword over Damocles. Like I was like, eh, is there a story here or are they just using this as a comparison to what they're talking about? Um, but I liked that there was a, there was kind of an overarching theme. Like it even fits in with the the cover art and mm-hmm. everything. Like I enjoyed it. It, it makes me want to research things. Yeah. It kind of <laughs> has like that whole like Roman kind of undertones. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I noticed that as well. There, and with this one here, Trivium was always kind of lyrically done these very interpretive kind of lyrics where they're never really, never always just straight up in the face of whatever it is that they're bringing up. But reading through the lyrics on this album, like it is an angry record. And hmm. right as, uh, as the pandemic hit, they were about to go on tour which the, with the tour that they actually just finished with uh, Lamb of God, Megadeth, and uh, I think it was Hatebreed that oh, filled wow. in. So they were about to go on that tour, and uh, everything obviously stopped. Yeah. And as a result of that, like Matt said, like they're all doing nothing, so they're writing new material, expect new music w- relatively soon, a lot sooner than we had, than the three-year gap that we saw between what the Dead Men Say and uh, it was Sin in the Sentence. Mm-hmm. And they said, expect it to be angry. And I, I really feel like this delivered. And it, like, it wasn't like overtly angry. It was, it was a very controlled anger. And it felt like it very much had purpose to it. Yeah. While still being left up to interpretation for the, uh, for the listener. Yeah. Uh, and then last thing before we jump into the uh, track by track breakdown, the uh, album cover here on this one. So this is probably one of my favorite Trivium album arts to date. It's got a, a giant golden dragon kind of as the main centerpiece with in front of that a, uh, a guy on a stallion, uh, which basically kind of looks like this giant Roman Colosseum with this huge battle raging going on there. 
uh, I honestly feel like this just describes the album perfectly, and I cannot wait to get my vinyl because I've got like those wall displays. Oh yeah, and so it's just gonna slot right into those. That'll be nice. And uh, unfortunately, I just have to wait until like January because vinyl production is down so hard right now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, did you have anything to add on that? Yeah. So uh, when you first told me what album we were going through, I I looked at the album cover and I was like, how does this compare to everything else they've done? And it almost feels like they went back to their old albums. Yeah, kind of like a Ascendancy and the Crusade, and kind of having like the really intricate art styles. Yeah, because they did all that like almost post-apocalyptic and then futuristic and yeah. then <laughs> simplistic, and now now we're back to like just art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And like this, it doesn't feature the band name. It doesn't feature the album title. It is just a piece of art and I recommend anybody listening to this to go check it out because this thing looks super cool and like I said I can't really wait to display it on my wall I really wish they would have <laughs> like come out with a flag with it because oh, I would have been definitely neat. bought that yeah <laughs> cool but we're gonna go ahead and jump into the track by track breakdown and as Matt would say this is where we break the tracks down <laughs> <laughs> And I, I know Matt's going to go back and listen to this, and I know he's going to be giddy for me to say this. So, Matt, you're lame for going to work again. Uh, <laughs> he was telling me about this last week. I did another episode without him, and he was uh, just losing his mind over the fact that I said he was lame so many times over the course of, like, three minutes. <laughs> and nice. So, so now I'm just going to really see if he's if he just listened to the first five minutes of the podcast or if he's at least listening ten minutes in. So, yeah. <laughs> cool. But, um, yeah, we'll go ahead and jump into that. Uh, so we first start off with the track 10 or X. Tyler, why don't you go ahead and kick us off on this one? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much an instrumental intro leading you into the the album. Um, I am interested if it is supposed to be X or 10. Uh, it, it's 10, really. Uh, they I guess that would make sense with they, Roman yeah, numerals. Yeah, because this is the 10th album. They did nine with oh. uh, What the Dead Men Say, uh, which was indicative of album number nine. So this is the second time they've done this on an album. I don't know if they plan on keeping doing this. I think it's fine just to kind of create that intro track. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, the last... I forgot the last band that I heard do an intro track leading into it. I think it was Nothing More on mm-hmm. their uh, This Is The Time, mm-hmm. like the intro on that. But yeah, it was yeah. a nice lead-in. Yeah, this one was really cool. It was um, composed by Eson, who's uh, the frontman for Emperor, the black metal band, uh, which Matt and Eson have a, a really good friendship, and I think they're either doing something and or have done something in the black metal realm because Matt loves black metal. Mm. And so to kind of help space that away from Trivium, he's done, uh, he's doing work with Eson regarding that kind of stuff. But yeah, this was uh, really cool. Uh, We first got our our first taste of it when the, uh, in the court of the dragon music video came out. It was the intro into that. They just didn't separate the songs because it really added more of the uh, kind of movie aspect to the, Mm. the music video that had come out for it. Yeah, there is, it really isn't much else that I have to say on this one. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> uh, so then we'll jump into the title track, In the Court of the Dragon, which is the first single that was released for this album. And, oh man, this thing just, <laughs> it, it gives you no chance. Like, you, you were just in it right there. There was no mm-hmm. lead in. It is just, everything is there right at the top. Uh, I love this song. Yeah. It, it is super cool. It's in my top three for sure. Where, it, where is it at in your top three? Um, hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm over here asking the hard questions. Uh, ooh, I'll say, th- I'll say three. Okay. Yeah, I'll say it's third. 
this falls at a really tight number four for me. Okay. Because of some of the other tracks in here. But yeah, it it is, it is a fantastic song. Um, The riffing on it is fantastic. We get Alex doing Alex things (laughs) and that man just ruins every dream I ever have of becoming a drummer. (laughs) (laughs) the the solos are just as to be expected from Trivium. All in all, like from front to back, this song is fantastic. Do you have any other thoughts on this one? Um, I don't think so. It was just, it's definitely the hook for the album. Oh yeah, I'm glad they chose that as the title. Yeah, it, it's the hook for the album. It really brings you in and it sets the tone amazingly for what to expect on this album. Like, yeah, none of the other songs are exactly like this, but they all have elements of this and they all tie into each other really well. Yeah. Oh, this was the one that I, I thought was a mix between black tide and Dio. Yeah. If that helps. <laughs> it, I thought that would, that was a perfect explanation. I, I respect it. <laughs> uh, then we jump into track number three, which is like a sword over Damocles. I'm going to go ahead and kick us off on this one, Tyler. Okay. Um, huh. This is the one I felt like was, uh, more of an, uh, I keep wanting to say alliteration. I know that's the wrong word. Um, allegory, maybe. Yeah. Um, but because they have the word like in it, I felt like it was like they were explaining some situation and this is what they were comparing it to. Unfortunately, I don't know what Damocles is, if it's a place or what was going on with that. But. So Damocles was a figure in Roman history and or mythology. I'm not 100% sure which. But basically the, the, the title phrasing means like a that something bad could happen to someone at any time. Like if that sword were to ah. drop over somebody's head, they're going to get impaled by it. Yeah. And so, uh, like the, the chorus says, you keep hanging this over me, like a sword over Damocles. Right. And that that's basically what it means. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I enjoyed the track. Um, I forgot my comparison on this one. I tried to compare <laughs> everything on this. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't know where I'd rank it out of the albums. Or out of the tracks, that's not my top three, but it's it's a pretty good track. Yeah, th- th- this one falls at number two for me. Oh, um, okay. I the the hook is fantastic on it, and the ferocity just being kept up as it moves past in the court of the dragon, like it, it is just a heavy song, and yeah, it it, it also just helps kind of bring in that touch of what Shogun did because Shogun had a lot of uh, a lot of Greek mythology kind of put into it and so with this being Roman and kind of having like the Roman Colosseum theme it kind of like mm-hmm. helps parallel that like it's not going to be Shogun and that's not what they're going to go back to because that's not who they are anymore Right. but it's kind of just a, a good bridge between it as opposed to what they did in, in Waves which was a complete departure from what they did in Shogun Yeah. and while I still love both of those albums dearly <laughs> This just feels like it was a, a smoother transition between what was really considered to be their best album and what what they're doing now. Hmm. Uh, then we jump into the second single that was released off the album, Feast of Fire. Uh, Matt, uh, whew, you're not Matt. I'm not Ty- Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I was going to do that at least once this, <laughs> this podcast. Uh, Tyler, how are you feeling on this one? Um, if I remember correctly, this was... An aggressive one, wasn't it? Uh, it was probably the most radio rock friendly one. Yeah, it. Yeah, that I think that one and one later on in the album, I I felt like they were like, oh, this will be a single on the radio that 
mm -hmm. doesn't actually portray the best piece of this album. Um, kind of like Black did from uh, yeah from what was it, Vengeance Falls. No, that was uh, uh, in um, waves. I think. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a bad trivium fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the only album I have, so that's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like you said, radio friendly is a good way to describe it. It was still enjoyable. Mm -hmm. um, it's not the worst on my list, but it's it's kind of down there. Yeah, it's kind of where I'm at with it as well. Like it's it's a good song. It's catchy. It's easy to sing along to yeah it's definitely going to be a crowd favorite kind of like uh heart from your hate was mm -hmm. and uh, a, a lot of those other songs it's i i don't want to say a low point on the record but mm -hmm. like on a record full of high points there has to be a low point right so i i feel like this is kind of there for it and while i still like the song like like i said it's just it's lower on my list for me too yeah uh, then we go into the uh, a crisis of revelation which is track number five on this album uh, how are you feeling on this one oh uh be honest i don't remember the track <laughs> uh yeah no this is probably my lowest one just because it's so forgettable for me okay yeah i i'm looking through these titles and i can't remember what that song is <laughs> <laughs> yeah like I, I i still remember it because i've been listening to this song over and over since it released mm. or this album over and over since it released just because again they're my favorite band like right. I'm, I'm just i'm gonna spend the time of day just listening to every little part that they do and yeah. realize that i'm so much inferior of a guitarist <laughs> compared to these guys because even though i can play them man it's hard <laughs> right <laughs> uh but yeah th this one it just it is kind of a forgettable track when you listen to it it sounds super cool after listening to it it's just kind of one of those things where it's you don't really remember what kind of went on right and that's Again, it's just one of those things where in a in an album full of just high points, like there's got to be a couple lows. Yeah, I feel like tracks four and five are really my lows, and the rest of the album is just top tier. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Then we move on to number six, which is arguably the weirdest one on the album. Hmm. Shadow of Abattoir. Yeah. Let's hear it. This is my favorite song on the album. Okay, I respect it. Yeah, I. So I've listened through this album twice fully that song ended up in my um on repeat playlist on spotify because <laughs> i've listened to that like four or five times now i think yeah i i fully enjoy this track because it's got a mix of everything uh musically but also like something about the lyrics i just felt more because mm -hmm. it felt like there was more emotion in it i <laughs> Like I said, I still need to do a lot of research because I don't know what abattoir is. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoy this song. All right, after a brief pause, I decided to take a look and uh, and see what abattoir meant because honestly, I didn't either and didn't feel like trying to show them up and just fake that I knew it. But uh, it means totally slaughterhouse. Tough. So uh, yeah. in the shadow of the slaughterhouse, uh, <laughs> send them to the slaughterhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with you there. Um, this is my uh, th this is my third favorite on the album. Okay, it's definitely a standout track. It's probably one of Matt's best vocal performances to date. Hmm. Um, he's hitting notes that I've never heard him hit before, especially hmm. in those final choruses. Yeah, and it's just honestly beautiful. Yeah, M musically, it's got like this really cool progressive kind of uh, what's that like medieval kind of sound to it. Like, yeah. Uh, specifically like in the verses and stuff like that and then like right. as it gets pulled out of those like it still is using the same uh, melodic elements but 
it really brings in more of like a progressive proggy kind of uh, mm-hmm. feel to it, which I think is kind of cool. It's something that they've been experimenting with, especially like uh, on the last album. Uh, the song Sickness Unto You from What the Dead Men Say, it kind of has, uh, they had like a lot of those prog elements that were introduced into that song, as well as other songs uh, that I'm not remembering off the top of my head here at the moment, but I feel like this one's kind of a continuation of that where it's, Really showing that like they have the capability of doing that, but at the same time they're just they're not going to be a prog band. They're not going to be Dream Theater or uh, Between the Buried and Me or or X Y or Z <laughs> Mashuga. I, I don't know whoever you want to input here because right. prog is kind of meh anyway. <laughs> yeah, but um, the elements of it are really cool, and yeah, I just I like this song a lot. Yeah, it's fantastic. It it really is. Uh, then from there, why don't you go ahead and lead us into the next one? Yeah, so the next track is No Way Back, Just Through. This is my number one. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. I felt like this was something else that could be played on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not as radio-friendly as Feast of Fire, but it's super catchy. It would definitely the... be pushing kind of like the octane radio instead of like... Right, yeah. Like the actual terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. Like something a little off-brand, but still... <laughs> Radio friendly, edgy enough, you know, like for the Slipknot guys, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, no, th- this one, like the, it's like three and a half minutes long. It, it is just a banger from front to back. It mm-hmm. is a stupid, catchy chorus, like you said, and um, the the intros and verses like aren't usually something that really catch my attention, but these ones it really did. Yeah, and I just I loved it so much. It, and it, it's it's a really big toss up, but for this one, between this one and like a sword over Damocles, just because mm-hmm. of how cool and how ridiculous the instrumentals are, and like a sword over Damocles, yeah, like they go into these stupid solos and it goes stupid fast, and I just I love every second of it. And <laughs> but no way back, just through like I just feel like the hook really does it for me, yeah. and I just I love this song from beginning to end. Okay, I think if I'm not mistaken, this was the song that I almost heard Atreyu. I can definitely see that. Yeah. You know, if Atreyu had meat and didn't suck sometimes. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, my... I Old only Atreyu own... as well, because new Atreyu is just trash. <laughs> I'll agree with that. Yeah. I own one Atreyu album, and it's Congregation of the Damned. Yep. No one likes that album, but that's the sound that I heard in that. Um, it was enjoyable. Yeah. I, I like it. I like that I can sing along with the chorus, unlike some of the other ones, but... Uh, yeah, it's just it's kind of a very soaring big chorus that Trivium does with the the double bass just kind of hot behind it driving it the whole way and right. Yeah, it just it does a phenomenal job. Uh, then we jump into "Fall into Your Hands," which man, this song <laughs> is a ride. <laughs> just immediately, the drums mm-hmm. and you're like, wait, how is he doing that? I I'll admit, first playthrough, I was gonna go through it the whole one time and then go back through, find specific things. I restarted this song right after that opening drum. <laughs> I was like, there's no way he did that. And I went back and I listened to it and I was like, how is he doing that with his hands? Like, yep. how is he getting that sound? Yeah, no, again, Matt and I have said this over and over on the podcast. Alex Bent is clearly not a human being. He is some <laughs> sort of like a cyborg hybrid or he's an alien. He probably has tentacles, and that's why we like him so much. Yeah, that, yeah I don't that know. Makes he, sense. He has something about him that just makes him inhuman, and mm. I love it so much. And <laughs> yeah, the the his first introduction is when they dropped the video for the Sin in the Sentence when they mm. released that album back in twenty seventeen, I think. Okay. And 
my mind was blown from then on, and it it hasn't stopped being blown away by his drumming capability since. Hmm. Battlecross lost an asset when they lost him. <laughs> I don't I don't know if he was kicked out, if he was dropped, if he left on his own volition. Yeah. I don't care. He's in Trivium now, and that's all I care about. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, and, and the the cool thing is too, he like he he puts it up live too. Like there's oh, no man. no slowing down for this guy. And all drummers have a drummer face, mm-hmm. and usually it's something contorted, it's something weird, right. it's or just downright silly. Yeah, this man is deadpan the whole way through. Really, it is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, fall into your hands. Like you said earlier, it was really more of like the vocals were an instrument; they were an accompaniment to the rest of the track. Yeah, it was really just kind of this journey of a track that like it took you from elements of metalcore it took you into elements of death metal it took you into elements of of prog again it it just had all these weaved uh nuances throughout the entire song and mm-hmm. like the, this this song is one of I'm trying to remember which ones it, this one the phalanx and i think like a sort of redemocles mm-hmm. um are all th- are three songs that are over 7 minutes on this album which yeah. is a longer song just in general like that's not usually what people want to hear usually that kind of anywhere between like three, two and a half to four and a half minutes right. is kind of like the sweet spot for music, depending on what it is. Mm-hmm. The five minutes pushes it. And then there's bands like between the buried and me and iron maiden and Metallica that really just push the limit a little too far. Right. But, <laughs> <laughs> but like this one, it really never feels like it's too long. And none of these songs really ever do. The, yeah. the whole album comes in at like 52 minutes and, it just it feels like it goes over so quickly. Yeah, it I it made such an impact on on me that I remember exactly where I was in my drive when the song <laughs> came on and when I restarted it. Um, those, but are the, those are the best. Yeah, it it's just so musical. Like mm-hmm. the drums were fantastic from the beginning, and then you got the guitar coming in and it has its solos throughout. And then you realize that behind, I think the chorus, the drums from the beginning are still there. Mm-hmm. And you're like, why are you still doing this insane sound? Yeah, It feels like it's almost too intricate, but it works in such a beautiful way. Yeah. And like the, and then on top of that, like I haven't even mentioned this yet, but like the, the vocal harmonies that Paulo is doing behind Matt are just top tier. Mm. And like, and I, I've heard uh, Matt talk about this in an interview years ago that when they record, like they record everything as they would do it live because they want to make sure that they do everything that they can to do it live. Like, huh. obviously, they they still like do their stop starts, make sure everything is perfect, right, in, in, in its own right. But like, it's not Matt anymore harmonizing with himself. It's he's having Paolo do that. He's having Corey do the screams that Corey would do screams. He was having Corey do the screams that he would do live. And just the parts like that, just that way they can make sure that they deliver on the promise that they bring on these records. Yeah. And I, I feel like that's such a respectful thing to do because so many bands neglect that and they just try and get the best of the best. Yeah. Instead of the best of what they would be able to bring. Yeah. You get like One Republic um, doing fantastic music and then you go see him live and he's running out of breath and you're like, oh, this isn't really great. <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like Vince Neil also belongs in this uh, conversation. <laughs> Uh, that man can't do anything anymore <laughs> except run out of breath. <laughs> That's the only running he's doing. 
That oh. makes me really curious how they set up the, the recording studio to do that then, if they have them in separate rooms or one whole room. So when I saw them doing a behind the scenes for when they were doing Vengeance Falls, which is right around the time that Matt was talking about that, he did still have them because that was the one that David Draymond had produced from Disturbed. Oh, okay. And so he still had them like set up and doing like retracking everything individually as most studios would. Right. Uh, instead of doing it more like an ensemble set. Um, this, but he, what they were doing instead is normally in this section of a song, the lead vocalist would harmonize with themselves to keep just with the consistency of it. Yeah. Instead of doing that, they would have Matt sing his uh, main melody part, and then Paula would come up behind and do and record the the, mel- the harmony part separately. Hmm. And uh, just so they can deliver what you would hear live in the studio, basically. Okay. And obviously, like that's gonna gonna vary from place to place, as yeah. many places have very inadequate sound people and right they they do their best for sure <laughs> unfortunately their best just isn't good enough looking at yeah. you the nile underground uh, <laughs> <Ouch>. <laughs> uh, shots fired i know nobody listens there from. <laughs> uh we'll go ahead and jump into the track number nine then uh from dawn to decadence mm. tyler go ahead and kick us off on this one um this was another one i don't fully remember um I like the name because it, it had that like alliteration. Now I can hey, use that word. Yeah, there you can. <laughs> um, uh, the chorus was nice. Uh, not catchy per se, mm-hmm. but enjoyable to listen to. Um, other than that, I don't honestly remember the song. <laughs> yeah, th- this one, it, it was kind of interesting. It, this one feels like it's almost a rehash of older material. Okay. Like, Excuse me, like from songs like um, I don't know. They they in, it feels like they incorporate a lot of just like this vocal phrasing style. Mm. Um, like they have songs like "Dusk Dismantled," and then also like specifically things like um the uh the title phrasing like uh "Into the Mouth of Hell We March" or "And Sadness Will Sear." Like the just actual like phrasing of the title, um, I feel like it's something that they kind of redo a lot. Um, musically speaking, like the song was kind of cool. It reminded me a lot of like in waves kind of style of stuff. Yeah. Um, especially with like the way or, or uh, and then like in the verses, it really reminded me of, like the crusade where Matt had blown out his voice. So he was having to do uh, a lot. Well, not where he had blown out his voice, but where he had heard his voice. Mm. He blew out his voice after in waves, uh, but he had heard his voice. And so he was doing more of a yelly kind of speaking kind of vocal style. Yeah. And it kind of does that in the beginning of the verses here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the cor- like you said, the chorus is definitely more of the standout part on this one. Yeah. It's got kind of like those cool drum breaks that Alex does. and Yeah, it's much more understandable than the rest of the album, mm-hmm. lyrically. Um, <laughs> I, I dip in and out of hard rock and metal, so coming back into screams i'm like okay i gotta learn how to understand these again yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> uh then finally uh rounding out the album we have this beautiful masterpiece called the phalanx okay so this one is my least favorite really yeah okay so i don't know what it was i don't know if i had like a predisposition in my head of like this is what i hope it's gonna sound like but like the phalanx uh army technique of like putting shields up and then you got the spears 
I was like, okay, it's going to be like cool battled something. And like the song played through and it never caught my attention. Like it, it was almost not boring, but just there, mm-hmm. I think for me. Um, but yeah, it was like that for me until I like intentionally listened to it and began reading into the lyrics. Lyrically, basically it's kind of about how war is almost kind of, purposeless mm. in, in in certain ways like obviously like war is just always going to be there it's right. the most powerful money making machine man's ever created true and that's that's a thing for a different podcast i guess <laughs> but <laughs> um the w- with this one here like the the phalanx was kind of just so revolutionary for the time like that was the pinnacle of uh, of pre-modern era uh, military tactics mm-hmm. like the the Romans and the Greeks really just kind of began forging what that looked like. We had things like Sparta, where we saw them kind of uh, just have this revolutionary concept of only 300 main dudes and wiping out armies because they just trained them since they were kids and beat the crap out of them until they learned to not feel pain. Yeah. And then we have the Romans who literally conquered an entire continent and then some, mm-hmm. and they implemented these kind of tactics. And so, again, it fits under the overarching theme of kind of like that Roman mythology and Roman concepts, which I'm I'm always a sucker for anything that like really connects themes really well throughout the album. Mm. Um, But then just along with that, like the feel of this song really kind of felt more of like a morose and a more somber kind of feel. Whereas the rest of the album was pretty angry. This one here was more of like a anger and desperation kind of thing. Like, why do we keep doing this to ourselves? We, we should know better at this point. We're better than this. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that's why I kind of feel like this one's more of a masterpiece as well. Like, and this one also falls into the, the same boat as Fall Into Your Hands, where it just weaves these really intricate musical styles throughout the course of this song. And yeah, I, I felt like it was a really good end to the album. I would have liked a little bit more, just because... I mean, it's seven minutes. Uh, no, okay, <laughs> let me rephrase. I would have liked more music in general. Oh, okay. Because nine tracks, realistically, ten if you count the uh, little extra thing at the beginning. Right. While I'm appreciative, and I appreciate that they're not just sticking filler into the album, mm-hmm. it, I, I don't know, I just, I want more. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. And, uh, granted, like, that's also just a personal bias, being that they're my favorite band. Yeah. Um, one thing I did forget to mention it, about Fall Into Your Hands, so there was the um, uh, orchestral instrumentals that were at the end of that song as well. Mm. Uh, those were also done by Eson, who had done uh, 10. Oh, so. Okay. That was just another little shout out to to include there because Trivium's never really been one to to do a lot of features, but when they do feature something, it's a feature like that where they're just incorporating something different. They're not incorporating uh, a new vocalist or another guy to come in and do a guitar solo or something like that. Right. That's like featuring exactly. It, they, they've never really done that that I can remember. So, but yeah, um, another thing to note lyrically about this album too before we finish up, uh, this is the first clean album I think they've ever done. Like they, they've never been really like a, a crass or a very vulgar band by any means. Yeah. Uh, but every album is PG 13. They've always got one F bomb that drops and hmm. this one just didn't. And I feel like that honestly kind of speaks a little bit more to it, uh, for the songwriting capability because they didn't lean on any of that to express their anger. They just leaned on the English language to express it. I feel like that's a little bit more respectable in that regard. Not yeah. saying that it's, disrespectful or anything like that that people do use language because it's just a form of expression but right 
I don't know. I just I respect that a lot from this one. Yeah. But that is going to wrap it up for us here on the uh, track by track breakdown of In the Court of the Dragon by Trivium. Uh, so now we're going to go ahead and jump into our tentacle rating in which we rate the album. So, mm. Tyler, as a guest, why don't you go ahead and uh, kick us off here? What's how are you feeling on this one? Uh, let's see. Tentacle rating out of eight. I I think I would give this. I'll say six. Six out of eight. Okay. I, I was going to go seven, and then I remembered that some of them I forgot because they didn't make an impact, and then like I had a least favorite song. So mm-hmm. I, I think six is a, is a good number for me. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so naturally, <laughs> as a Trivium fan, I'm going to say a nine out of eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but okay. realistically speaking, like just from the gauging that I do for I, that I try to do for the the rest of the albums that we record here on the podcast, like it, it is a solid eight out of eight for me. Like it really hits all the all the numbers. It hits all the bars. Sure, there. I mean, I, I don't think that any album is truly perfect. I feel like no matter even if I go down my top 10 albums mm-hmm. of all time Which I'm still going to be able to find something uh, wrong with them and it's just the critical part of me and yep. it's a part that I never will seem to fix because I don't go to therapy <laughs> uh, <laughs> you don't need to fix that exactly doctors are a scam okay. <laughs> Uh, but that is going to do it for us today on In the Court of the Dragon. I do highly recommend it. Tyler seems to recommend it with a, a 6 out of 8 rating there yeah. as well. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and move into the hidden track where we talk about something unrelated to the album. Ooh. And uh, I'll go ahead and kick us off here. I today was notified of uh, the new Knocked Loose EP that was kind of just surprise dropped. Hmm. And it apparently came along with a small movie that I haven't watched yet. But it is really dark Knocked Loose. And I really appreciate that. I mean, Knocked Loose is just heavy as I'll get out to begin with. And I don't know. I've, they're kind of one of those bands that like I always seem to revolve around, but never really listen to in depth outside of like laugh tracks and stuff like that, mm. uh, which is their song laugh tracks, laugh tracks <laughs> just right. to clarify. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so like the I've listened to the, uh, the EP twice now um, while I was at work. So I was in the middle of doing stuff, but... I like it so far. I think it's really well done. I need to watch it with the movie to kind of get an, gain additional context with it. But so far, I'm I'm really recommending it. Nice. Yeah. What do you got for this week? Um. Oh man, I've gotten into so many things lately. <laughs> uh, I could go with the latest one that I have. Go for it. Uh, it's probably now a month old, but uh, I found a band called Eskimo Cowboy. <laughs> they they came out with their new song we got the moves yep it's so good i i have fallen into listening to all of their music even after they i guess they got popular last year on hypa hypa yep. um i've listened to their mc thunder one and two fantastic their music videos hilarious to match um and if you go on their youtube pa- <clears throat> excuse me if you go on their youtube page they have a video where two of the guys from the band uh react to reactors watching their music video for the new song and it's so funny they're just laughing the whole time of like everyone's reactions it's great so matt is also a really big fan of uh, eskimo cowboy which is fantastic Uh, i also do recommend checking out so they did hypa hypa which Mm -hmm. really blew them up yeah uh then they did a split with we butter the bread with butter 
where yeah. we buttered the bread with butter, covered it, and yeah. did their own version of the music video. It's so weird. It is, it is so weird, so uncomfortable, and yet so just artistically masterful mm. that I just, I never thought there would be a day. I, I, I've heard the name We Buttered the Bread with Butter since like sixth grade. Yeah. I never thought there would be a day where I, A, listened to them, and B, enjoyed what I heard. <laughs> And uh, yet here we are in 2021 and just nothing seems to surprise me anymore at this point. (laughs) Uh, But that is going to do it for us today, guys. We do appreciate you taking the time and listening to us. You can find us on a variety of social medias that can be on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, and on TikTok, all at TentacleBop. You can also uh, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, on Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. I don't know. There's a few other Spotify. Yeah. yeah. I, today I, I looked into Podbean, which is the uh, the service that I use, and there's like Vcast and VAF. I don't I don't even know what half these things are, but you can <laughs> you can listen to us and rate us and all that jazz on all of those. So yeah. we do really appreciate that, and uh, we will see you next week. And I think Matt will not be lame and be back, and so we'll see if he gets these final lame 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 lame. <laughs> Nice. Uh, So, yeah, we will uh, see you later. Bye.